Hi, good day everyone. I'm Simon Dawson, Senior Lecturer at Cardiff Metropolitan University. Welcome to my short interviews with industry specialists where I ask how they got into their field of work, the essential skills that they use and any advice they can offer students during their studies or when they graduate. Today I'm joined by Peter Littleton, Technical Director for Chris Dane's Food Hygiene. Peter, welcome and thank you for talking to me. Thank you, Sam. Good to see you again. Yes, yes. So uh, first of all, I'd like to ask if you can explain a little bit about what a technical director does within your company. It's it's quite a multi multifaceted role. Um, we're obviously a, a chemical supplier to food, dairy and beverage operations. Yeah. Um, so it's everything concerned with the, the food hygiene and the chemical use throughout the, those businesses. So typically our products will be used to uh, clean and decontaminate factories following a, a, um, a processing day, um, but also throughout that day. Um, and also currently there's a lot of use of products in uh, common touch points. So things like stair rails, um, door handles, touch screens, things like that, that, that maybe haven't had, had received uh, as high a degree of focus before, um, but are certainly receiving a great deal of, of focus now. So there is no particular job spec. Um, when I joined six years ago, I was handed a blank sheet of paper and asked to write my own job description when I got around to it. Um, and I still haven't actually done it because it changes on a on a day to day basis. Uh, before Christmas, we were we were gearing up ready for this year to have a focus on uh, listeria and allergen management. Um, and then things happened. Um, certain viruses kicked in, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's been a, 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 a a lot of focus on uh, viral contamination, on virus control, and um, on cleaning and disinfection with that specific focus, but constantly trying to drag it back to the fact that traditional standard food hygiene and food safety is still there. Listeria hasn't gone away. Allergen contamination hasn't gone away. So it's making sure that whilst we're looking at over there for viruses, we're not missing that over there something else is going on that could cause a, a, a wider food safety problem. Wow. So have you always been into uh, this line of work? Uh, I originally wanted to be a bus driver um, <laughs> when, I, when, I was at school, when I was at school. Um, and then I decided that, uh, that the career in forensic medicine um, beckoned. Um, and I uh, used to voraciously de- uh, devour any books on, on forensics. Um, and that sort of applied for a few jobs in, in various um, police forces, um, got an interview with, with, with the Met, um, decided that actually spending time in a lab day in, day out wasn't really for me. Mm-hmm. But I was interested in, in a lot of um, sciences. So I wasn't particularly focused on any one branch of science, but I liked the whole totality of science and particularly where different branches of science connect to each other. So where you get the links between chemistry, between physics, with biology, um, even a little bit of the social sciences, you know, the nudge type theories that we're now using a lot for food safety culture, um, where it all inter- interacts and interrelates. Um, so I, I sort of ended up as a, a microbiology assistant in a cannery in, in Norfolk. Um, I was assisting the microbiologist who was based in Reading. So I didn't see a great deal of them um, and set up the lab and, and got the food bug. Um, and once you get into the food industry, you realise just how many wide and varied career opportunities there are. Um, we all need to eat. Um, it's one of the few industries that, that will continue um, whatever the economy is doing. 
Um, it may change a bit. We may see less, as we are at the moment, uh, reliance on food to go and more on, on ready meals and, and on um, home cooking and ingredients. But everybody still needs to eat. So there is a lot of inf- a lot of choice out there. And it's not something you necessarily think, I want to be a, and go into that particular branch of the food industry. As you go through, the food industry constantly changes. Yes. Um, as I say, at the moment, there's a lot of, of, informa- of in- emphasis on food safety culture, um, on the way we do things, on, on virus control. Um, if you go back a few months, it was all on allergens, it was all on labelling. Just six to 12 months ago, we were all getting very excited about single-use plastic and how we could reduce plastic um, within, the, within the industry and plastic packaging. You roll forward a few months, and that focus has, has changed significantly. So it is a very fast-moving, um, consumer-driven dra- um, operation. Well, yeah. So once this uh, kind of the, the virus area that we're going through at the moment uh, dies down and, and, and we get the grip, grip, grip of things and it kind of like dissipates, what do you think will be the next thing people will be focusing on then? I'm hoping that, that the... Um, increase in in hand hygiene um, and in personal hygiene and in in touch point cleaning will will continue um, if there's one silver lining in the whole of this it's it's that that degree of personal hygiene not just in the industry but throughout the whole population will continue because that will have big impacts on infectious disease control going forwards um, i can see that we're going to start looking at plastics again yeah. Um, and also in terms of, of formulation changes, in terms of, of allergen controls, um, you know, certain parts of the industry have been very used to dealing with allergen labelling. Um, at some point later this year, um, we'll see the so-called Natasha's Law coming through, where we'll see additional labelling in other parts of the, the food sector. That's still going to happen. So here we are sitting in virtually the middle of June. That's due to come in in October. So it's only four months away. So businesses need to need to uh, raise their head above the parapet and be looking further ahead. And that's part of, uh, of, of certainly my role within Chris Ames is constantly looking at, at forward scanning, um, horizon scanning, looking to see where things are coming along um, and what could potentially uh, have a, a negative impact on, on our industry uh, in the future. And sometimes we get things right and sometimes we get things wrong. Yeah, and we don't see things coming along. Um, you know, we didn't see Horsegate seven years ago um, until it was as it was upon us. Um, so we constantly have Horizon Scan looking for for food fraud. Um, we're looking at the moment a lot of the uh, disinfectants and particularly hand sanitizer gels and and solutions that are being marketed um, because some of them aren't quite what they they purport to be. Um, so we do have to, and there was a, a big report from um, ECA, European Chemical Agency, um, last week um, that, was, that was reporting about um, illegal and ineffective biocides. Um, so there's, a, there's a, a lot of work going on in the background there to make sure that the products that we're all using, that we all think are doing a job and are safe and are effective of what we're, what we're trying to control, both microbiologically and for viruses, are actually as effective as they, as they should be. Because um, the last, the, the only thing worse than, you know, uh, no disinfectant is a disinfectant that you think is doing a good job, and actually is ineffective against the the, the target organism. Because then that's the false sense of security, and you could have a potential problem coming through there. 
Oh, definitely, because it's it's one of these things that you, you don't think of. You just expect you go out and buy this hand sanitizer, you buy this hand mm -hmm. gel or disinfectant or a sanitizer, you expect it to do the job that's meant to do in the first place. Yeah, and often it's not that people are trying to, to engage in, in any form of, of fraud or criminality. It's trying to help. You know, we've seen um, challenges uh, more particularly across Europe than, than in the UK, fortunately. Um, where uh, people have been using just straight 60% alcohol um, onto their hands. So a lot of the uh, distillers, um, a lot of the, the alcohol manufacturers have, with the pub closes, closures have switched to making, well, we'll do some hand sanitizer um, because it's, it's alcohol based. Fantastic. And you can get some very interesting formulations uh, from even the WHO website of how to make your own hand sanitizer. Um, and, and some of the, the, the practices and some of the, the steps they go through, you need to be very, very careful because when you're dealing with that grade of alcohol, it's it's relatively flammable. Um, and if you get it wrong, um, you know, a little bit of viral or bacterial contamination are, are very much the least of your, your concerns. So it's about making sure you know what you're doing. As I say, it's not people necessarily setting out to defraud the consumer. They're doing things with the best of intentions. There's a shortage of alcohol. I make alcohol. I'll make it and sell it. Fantastic. But pouring um, straight neat alcohol or 60%, 70% alcohol on your hands and rubbing it in without any other form of emollients or formulation behind it can then start to lead to skin drying, skin cracking and contact dermatitis. So, you know, we do need to be quite conscious of, of what's being used and where. Mm, definitely, yes. So... What kind of uh, essential skills then do you use on a regular basis that help with your job? For me, it's looking ahead, um, it's training and it's it, education is, is, a, is a key thing. Um, I know we've worked in previously with, with the training side of things and, you know, I quite like that. Um, I'm not as keen on the online training because I like the feedback from, from the people and get that, that, that buzz and that, uh, that, that uh, realisation that people are accepting the message. But it's also a lot of investigative skills. Uh, we often get called in to, to assist where, where there's been a problem um, in, a, in a factory. It could be a bacterial problem. It could be a, an allergen uh, issue. Um, so we'll get called in to investigate. Um, and annoyingly, a lot of the obvious, usual, easy things have been, have been ruled out. So it's usually a case of going in and trying to find something that's a, an off the wall or a, a left field uh, sort of investigation and, and to find, find what's the root cause of this problem. A, to, to solve it at that time, but also if you can identify root cause, you can then start to, to ensure that uh, recurrence um, sort of doesn't, doesn't occur and, and you've got uh, effective food safety going through. Oh, yeah. I think, what, I think something that people forget as well is how strong and dangerous some of these chemicals are as well. Mm, well, if you think a lot of the detergents particularly, um, they're designed to chemically alter organic material and they haven't got a brain. Um, and if you don't treat those chemicals with respect, they will interact with whatever fat and protein they can find. And if that's soiling on the on the line, fantastic. That's what it's designed to do. If it's your hands or your, your body because you haven't treated the chemical with respect and haven't got the right PPE in place, then yeah, the chemical will do what it does. It doesn't doesn't make a choice. You know, it's like a snake, a snake will bite you. It's not it, it's in its nature. Yeah. Um, it's just what it does. So yes, we certainly need to, to make sure we treat the chemicals that we're using for, for cleaning purposes, both in the factories and at home, with a great deal of respect. And I'm very, very keen on keeping individuals and um, neat chemicals as far apart as is reasonably possible.
Um, I saw a chemical fatality very early on in my career um, and I don't want to see another one. God, it must be awful. Uh, yeah. I can imagine you still remember that as well. Yeah, yeah, it sticks with it. If anybody's ever um, uh, sort of concerned about wearing eye protection or whether it's necessary, then I strongly recommend looking at the um, Ken Woodward video, um, Ken's story um, about how he, he lost his eyesight through chemical reactions, mixed two chemicals in a bucket. Um, because they'd run out of sound of chemical and it and it um, it erupted and, and caused a, a great deal of damage. Um, fortunately, he survived, but certainly it, it's a very um, causatory lesson of, of what the PPE is designed to do and why it should be there and why it should be worn. Yes. So for those that are watching this, I'll put a link underneath uh, to the Ken Woodward uh, uh, video so you can see that for yourself because he worked for one of the big uh, drinks companies didn't he where when this happened uh yeah i think it's, it's my republic record yeah i think it was um it was one of the big ones in in the southeast mm -hmm. of, of, of england um yeah it was quite a well well reported case um and certainly it was it was just a, a, a lack of, a momentary lapse of concentration and training you know he wasn't he, he was told what to do but not how to do it um right. and there was a there was a big difference there in the way that uh and, the, and you know, the way things are then panned out for him. Yes. I mean, it's awful what's happened to him, but it's good the outcome from that, because what if he, what he's done and the people that he's informed and, and, and mm. told about to prevent them from also having similar or even worse accidents than what he did. Yeah, we certainly use the, the, the uh, part of the, the video sequence on a lot of the um, chemical safety training courses that, that we deliver. And, and since we started using that, we've seen a big increase in, in people wearing eye protection. You know, the common common complaint in the food factory is that, that, that the eye protection gets in the way. Um, and the, the constant reminder is that's its job. It's designed to get between you and any potential hazards. Um, but the problem is if, often people wear their, wear their goggles up on their foreheads because they can steam up. It can be a cold. Um, moist environment, you can get, you know, if it's a warm environment, you can get steam um, and people can then struggle to, to to sort of clearly see. So they might just lift their glasses even momentarily, could cause a problem. Um, at the moment, we're all getting a lot more used to wearing uh, various forms of, of PPE. You'll often see people walking about now with uh, with, with eye protection on or with, with even full face visors. Um, I'm sure a lot of people watching the video will have seen that in, in recent times in, in shops and, um, and the public with the eyes being one of the, the entry routes for, uh, for, for coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So as, as, as a final question to you, uh, for our current students and any graduates that are coming through the industry, what would be your kind of top tips or advice, uh, you know, regarding things that they'll put in their CV or cover letter in order to get their foot in the door for their first interviews? Be passionate. Decide what you want, decide the sort of things that, that really um, float your boat and that really light your interest and, and be passionate about it and, and, and um, explain how you can add to, to the, the, the safe production of, of food. Because at the end of the day for the technical teams, that's our driving force. And we want product that leaves our factories to be safe. We need people who are, who are diligent, who are attentive, who are passionate about food safety. Um, and not just you know straight downloaded off the internet cover letters or CVs. Um, actually personalising, actually look at the companies that you're um, applying for. Look at the types of products that they're making, and then go on to Google. 
look because unfortunately whatever product category you're, you're, you're interested in you can find a problem that's happened with it it may be microbiological it may be an allergenic it may be a physical contaminant um, you know even something as, as, as simple as, as water um, so bottled water you think okay we can't get that wrong but if you google then a few years ago um, it feels a few years ago it was actually late 80 so it was over 30 years ago and um, benzene <laughs> we were similar right? benzene was was um was found in in uh, bottled water from france because a filter hadn't been changed frequently enough so there are always unfortunately there were always um examples there that you can then look at and go well okay this is something that relies on chemical controls on planning maintenance um on on training and awareness and understanding. So it's about looking at the whole totality and not seeing the food industry as, well, it's just a, a, a packet of food that you pick up off the shelf. That food, that packet has had a journey. Yeah. And that journey will have gone through multiple stages with multiple interventions to ensure that when the consumer gets it, it's safe. And those, those um, interventions won't just be from factory personnel, there'll be support services. I mean, I've worked in um, in canning, in poultry production, in ready-to-eat salads for major multiples. I've also worked in food safety enforcement. The last 20 years, I've worked in, in the chemical supply industry, supporting uh, customer sites through applying hygiene and hence food safety, because one of the reasons that cleaning and disinfection is regarded under BRC as a prerequisite is that if you haven't got a clean food premises and a food clean food contact surface, you will have unsafe food. It's a basic requirement. If the surface is clean, you've got a good chance of producing safe food. If the surface is contaminated, you will not be able to produce safe food on it. So you've yes. got to get to got to get the cleaning and disinfection uh, side of things completely correct every time. Well, some some really good points there. So there, Peter, it's been great talking to you today. Uh, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed the past few years, you know, when you've been coming in as a guest lecturer and talking to the students and myself as well. So, and I hope once this is all over, uh, you can come back and talk to them all again. Look forward to it. Fantastic. Thank so you. thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, take care and I hope to talk to you again real soon. Thanks, Simon. Thank, take care now. Thanks.